When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lay Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're talking Ohio State football five days a week. You guys know that. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm mostly going to focus today on signing day. I, I, I will say. The Tate Martell response was mixed, was mixed. My least favorite response to get on Twitter is we don't care, is nobody cares, because if nobody cares, then just ignore it. So there were some multiple nobody cares responses to the Saturday Tate Martell Martell podcast. And just as a point of information, if you respond, nobody cares to me on Twitter, it's an auto mute. Because if you don't care, then I don't care what you have to say. So I muted a couple people. I get it. It's just something different. It's just the offseason. Some people seem to enjoy it. And again, the story that we wrote with the podcast was like the most popular story on Cleveland.com all weekend. So I I know it's just it gets caught up in the click cycle and the Google machine. We get it. But Tate is Tate. We're not doing Tate today. We're doing people who are going to be Buckeyes. And we're doing this signing day which is coming Wednesday it's the second signing day I sort of still long for the good old days when you didn't have to try to cover signing day in December while the team you cover is getting ready for the playoff and here in February can you imagine Stephen if like right now we were gearing up for Ohio State to sign 21 players in the number two class in the country and all of our focus was on that instead of it being on they signed 21 guys in December and there's like a small chance they'll add somebody else later here or probably a decent chance I don't know. At some point, I have to get over it. It's still fresh enough to me, Stephen, that I kind of – I really did like the February signing day. I think this year it had been so much easier to maybe just get through that week because signing day was on Wednesday, and then Nathan and I went to Indianapolis for, on Saturday to cover a, a Big Ten championship game that was at noon instead of 7, which was a blessing. But, yeah, I think it would make this signing period more interesting. Now it's just kind of – is one guy going to sign on – on Wednesday, and is the other guy, whenever he signs, when's that actually going to come? As it stands now, do you guys know how many of the top 100 players, according to 247 Sports, are unsigned at this point? You want to guess? Stephen, do you know, or do you want to guess? 
I'm going to guess it's one off the top of my head, and it's JT Tumalau. Well, you know it's actually at least two because there's another guy that yeah. Ohio State's in the mix. Oh, yeah, Ray John Davis. Yeah, so two. two. Sorry about that. Nathan, what do you think? How many of you guys are left out of the top 100? Oh, I'm going to say three. Five. Oh, wow. Number three, JT Tumalau is delaying his it's, – it's Ohio State's still right in it, but he's not going to go for a while. Number 44, LJ Johnson is a running back, crystal balled to Texas A&M. Rayshon Davis, as Stephen said, number 48, he's down to USC and Ohio State, presumably. Here's a familiar name, was in the mix briefly, Stephen. Number 59, Taiwan Malone. Defensive yeah. tackle. He is crystal balled to Ole Miss, but he was a guy that Ohio State was certainly involved in for a little bit, weren't they? Yeah, he's a guy who uh, he was, I think, in, a, in his top eight. I think it was, it's always a different number. But his whole thing was he wants to play baseball and football, which a defensive tackle who's also pretty good at baseball. I don't know if you see that every day. But, yeah, he wants to play both. And I think that was part of why he's not – the Buckeyes weren't in the mix anymore, which is why they went and got Talik Williams out of Virginia. Virginia to pair with Mike Hall and Jack Sawyer as a defensive lineman. And then number 86, Brian Thomas Jr. He's a receiver who's crystal balled to LSU. So only five of the top 100. This is how important the first signing period in December is. Just to wrap again, top 100 players, and I think we covered this a little bit in December, but it's not bad to do a refresher. Ohio State has 12 top 100 players in this 2021 class, according to the 247 Sports Composite. Steven, guess how many are in the rest of the Big Ten combined? Top 100 players to other Big Ten schools besides Ohio State. I'll say three. Nathan, what do you think? Top 100 guys to the Big Ten, not Ohio State. Um, two. Guys, are under, come on, give them a little credit. Ten, it's ten, it's ten. Listen, Michigan has Michigan has JJ McCarthy at yeah. quarterback, Donovan Edwards at running back. So those are two top fifty national guys that are going to make an impact in the Big Ten. Overall, Ohio State has twelve, Michigan has five, Maryland two, and then one each for Penn State, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. So again, that's the gap between Ohio State and everybody else. But that's still the gap between Michigan. And everybody after them. Because, I mean, you know, again, like, comparatively, five top 100 guys is pretty good for Michigan. You know, it's just not even half of what Ohio State is doing because Ohio State is on such a different level here. But what we really wanted to get into a little bit here as we look at 2021 for a last time, and then we look ahead a little bit to 2022, and is it, is it nine or ten players, Stephen, that Ohio State already has for 2022? Ten guys. Ten guys. We thought this might be a number one class for Ohio State, and it's going to be Alabama again. Should we stop? I mean, it's one of those things. And, and Nathan, I'm going to throw in the Nathan Baird caveat off the top. Recruiting rankings, it doesn't matter. Your class is good. Whether you're actually one or two is not the end of the world. But it's fun to talk about. But how you come out in the end is what matters most. We get it. But number, it's fun to say, hey, can you have the number one class? Should we stop bothering, Stephen? Like, we spent a lot of time for a couple months talking about whether Ohio State could have the number one class, and here we are getting ready to wrap this class up, and, and we talked about the class calculator before. Then, well, what if Ohio State adds this guy? What if they add this guy? Alabama's got it locked up. Should we just – is Alabama just a different beast here and that we sh there's no point in comparing Ohio State to Alabama, or is the 2022 Ohio State class going to be the number one class in the country? 
I, I think I don't think we need to stop it. I think the way they're going about getting it, I think, is a better formula for it to happen. I think loading up early and maybe locking in some of these key positions early, whether it's linebacker for 2022, getting your quarterback this early, getting Caleb Burton, uh, getting Jaheim Singletary, getting some of these guys locked in early helps your case because now you can kind of get picky and choose and choose some guys after then have the have these have the recruits kind of do the work for you. And cuz that's what happened in 2021. They got Jack Sawyer and Kyle McCord locked in so early that they just started doing the work for them. What what hurt them isn't necessarily the fact that Alabama the the train probably finally revved up. We knew that was going to happen. The problem is LSU fell apart as a program and so Alabama just wouldn't cherry pick the bunch of guys from their recruiting class which added to this. It would have been a much closer race heading into Tumalau's decision had that not happened. So I do think Alabama's not going to have the number one class every year. They didn't for the last decade. Georgia had one. I think there's going to be a room where now that Ohio State's getting five-star quarterbacks and they're consistently getting five-star wide receivers, it adds to the fact that they're already getting five-star defensive ends and corners. I think you're getting enough five-stars at every position that matters where there's consistently top 50 guys at it that I think as long as they're in the race around – signing day it's always going to be possible and I don't know if you know they were they've had two number two classes but other than that they weren't really in the race for the number one class I think now that they're recruiting five stars in every single position and they're getting a lot of those they have 10 guys and the calendar they had 10 guys the first week of January really they had yeah they had nine guys heading into the new calendar year if they're doing that every single year I think they're going to be in a position to do it and you can continuously have this conversation so, I mean, there's, again, the, the, the correlation between great recruiting classes and success on the field is like a one-to-one ratio, practically, in college football at the moment. Ohio- Alabama's recruits the best. Alabama has the best teams. Ohio State is, is right in the next level, bringing recruiting. Ohio State's right in the next level on the field. Nathan, you've been doing this for two years now, covering Ohio State. Um, I, think it's, I think all this stuff is fun, and we're not actually going to stop talking about it. And yes, we get it. Winning a recruiting title in and of itself doesn't get you anything. But have you come to any conclusion of, in your opinion, in the recruiting side of things, is Alabama just a different animal? Like, is it at the point where they just sort of feel like they can do whatever they want to do, even if they don't have guys early, you know they're going to start getting a bunch of five stars whenever they want to start grabbing commits. Or do you feel like Ohio State – we have this discussion a lot on the field. Where are the tiers, right? Is Ohio State in the same tier with Alabama in recruiting, or is Alabama on a tier by itself when it comes to recruiting? Well, I think the brand of Alabama is certainly in a tier by itself. I mean, it's – and it should be, right? I mean, imagine the way that the rest of the Big Ten looks at Ohio State is almost what I think the country looks at Alabama. Like, they're this behemoth. Their name – if somebody – if Ohio State wants you as a Big Ten recruit, you really have to be turning down something special to pick Nebraska or Purdue or Michigan State usually. And the same thing applies to Alabama, even on the national level. I mean, they've done things at a national level that no one else has done, so they've earned a little bit of this cachet. Uh, having said that, though, I mean, you can look back at the scores. It, to me, it's more about like what kind of what Steve was saying. It's about having that consistent – being consistently at the top every year. There's going to be a year where maybe Alabama dips. I don't think that's – and it, not even just dips in terms of their – 
performance in recruiting, but maybe it's a year where they have to take a slightly smaller class or it's a year where they just have a late decommit or something like that. You have to, it, that's at the end of the day, what this sometimes comes down to too. You can look back at these past scores. I know the Ohio state hasn't had the number one team, but they've had plenty of years where they could have been. So it's just, I think Alabama is a little bit, part of the reasons why Ohio state may eventually have the number one, and maybe we'll talk about this at the time, and maybe the people who report on Ohio State will ignore it and just blow it out of the water that they had the number one class. But it may come in a year where, for whatever reason, Alabama has to take a slightly smaller class. I think they are a different animal. I think they are a different animal. I got numbers on class size that we're going to get into about Alabama and, and what an Alabama dip maybe would look like. Um, because I, I do want to do that direct comparison. I think – I'm not going to apologize for doing it before. Sometimes here – as sports journalists, you can get caught up in like, oh, uh, we already talked about this four months ago. Or like, oh, I wrote this story 17 months ago. And it's like, listen, the people listening to this, you have lives. You don't remember what we said four months ago. So this is important. It was more important in December, but it's still important now. So we'll, we're going to retread a little bit, go over some of the same ground. Just a bit. The point is this. Right now, Alabama in the 247 ratings, their total class, and Stephen, I know you did this before, they're at 325.46, Ohio State's at 309.64. If Ohio State adds JT Tumalau, who's the best available player remaining, and they add Rayshon Davis, who's the third best player available remaining, they still wouldn't catch Alabama because you can plug the player in. So Alabama, is, again, is at 325 and change. Ohio State's at 309 and change. If they got both those guys, they'd be at 319 and change. And if you took J.C. Latham, Alabama's best player, out of Alabama's class, they'd still be ahead of Ohio State. So Ohio State would have to get Tumalau and Davis and have Latham not just leave Bama but flip to Ohio State. That's the kind of thing that would have to happen. Steven, it's like a sizable thing, right? It's just it's a reminder. Bama's not one good player ahead of Ohio State, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that, that, that Ohio State could add Tumalau and Davis and still be short of where Bama is right now. It's, it's, it's just context a little bit, which – I thought maybe oh, if they had these guys, they'd be right there. They still wouldn't be right there. Yeah, the, the key there is Latham. And to what this boils down, you can't lose. If you're going to beat Alabama, you can't lose guys to Alabama, which is what happened there. If if you take Latham out, then it's probably a conversation, as you just as you just mentioned. But when you lost Latham to Alabama, you help, and to a lesser extent, Devonta Smith, the cornerback as well. You lost two guys who should have been in your recruiting class to the team you're competing with. That doesn't help your chances. I like this discussion, though, and I hope this doesn't frustrate anybody listening to this. Because this, to me, this is a discussion of, okay, we're talking about the people who do it best, and can Ohio State compete with the very best people who do it? And the answer is, yeah, Ohio State can compete with them. Can they get over the top against them is the thing. And I think the chase is fascinating. And I think we'll keep talking about the chase But again, this is a discussion like no other podcast in the country could have this discussion of can Ohio State, maybe Georgia, because actually Clemson's not really the same level in in straight recruiting here. Maybe Georgia. But we'll talk about what would an Alabama dip look like and what would Ohio State, what would it look like for Ohio State from a numbers standpoint to be able to maybe get past Alabama one of these years. We're getting, get into the weeds a little bit again on these numbers, previewing the Wednesday second national signing period. We'll take a quick break and be right back on Buckeye Talk.
All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Try the text at 614-350-3315. So here's the thing. Bama, there's a couple things here. Class size matters, right? Size matters in this, and Bama always goes big. And so, Nathan, you were talking about what would ever happen if Bama dipped. There was a time, I don't know, felt like it was more of a big deal five, seven years ago. Uh Oversigning.com, I think, was the website. I think I, I talked and wrote a lot about oversigning and what SEC schools did. Would Ohio State ever range into that? What does it do to kids if you do that to them? Do you end up gray shirting guys at the last minute? Do you end up running guys off? And it feels like that's not a discussion anymore. I, I don't know why. I don't know that it's because they stopped doing it, but it just feels like it's not as much of a forefront at, at the forefront of the discussion about oversigning but Bama just put racks up the numbers every year so let me run through talk about oh if you ever had a year where Bama didn't have as many guys this is Bama's back to 2009 the number of recruits they had each year so starting with the 2021 class 26 25 27 22 29 25 24 26 26 26 25 25 27 so they only had one year where they dipped it all, like to 22. That was in the 2018 class, and they were fifth that year. That was the year they dipped. But they've only had one of those, where like 22 is kind of like the number that Ohio State actually more comes in about. It is their average over the last five years. I sent a text mm-hmm. last week as I was looking at the 2022, or what, what this current roster might mean for 2022, and 22 has been the average for the past five years. So even like this year – Ohio State's at 21 total recruits. Bama's at 26 total recruits. Bama is still ahead of Ohio State in the average star ranking. So sometimes Ohio State has won, I think, the average star ranking per player. They just haven't won the total class thing. Is Steven, is that just that's just the way it is, right? I mean, I, I, part of it, and I have some numbers on like guys going pro, guys transferring. One of the things is I actually think having smaller classes is actually sort of like a sign of stability that you don't have as many guys transferring. So you're not churning through your recruits as much. Also, you don't have as many guys going to the NFL maybe, and you do want guys to go into the NFL, but frankly, on some level, it's like, what are you going to do? Here, I'm going to sit here and criticize Alabama. Oh, Alabama churns through too many guys. That's why they don't win the national championship every year. They only win it every other year. But, like, that's not all bad, Stephen, that Ohio State's not at 26 recruits every year. No, some of that is also a byproduct of the conference they're in. I think the Big Ten is a little bit more, you know, harsh with the stay at the 25, 25 scholarships, 25 scholarships. I don't know if it's necessarily like that in the SEC. So you are in a position to where you can, you know, over-sign a class and maybe run off some guys and churn guys. It is more of a factory sort of situation. I wrote this. Back in, the, back in the fall, like Alabama and the SEC in general kind of runs more like a factory, which you're in and you're out, you're in and you're out. They treat their the assistants are like that too. They come in, they go, they come in, they go. While in the Big Ten, it is a little bit more stable where I don't want to say there's no emphasis on education in the SEC because that's not the point, but it's a lot more of an emphasis on education in the Big Ten. <laughs> now, and stuff now, like now, that. now, 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 that's let's okay. That I don't think we can say that. Why, how do you know no. that on education? You have no evidence for that. I what I'm saying. Okay, here's what I'm saying. The Big Ten is, it clearly puts more of an emphasis on. Are you employed by Kevin Ward and Jim Delaney? No, <laughs> no. 
living in a better situation. No, I'm saying that Ohio State is, a lot, is in a position where they're a lot more mindful of that 25 scholarship number when it comes to recruiting classes than Alabama are. That you can say. That's allowed because that's that there we have proof of. Yeah. That, that is hard, cold facts. And the way that the Big Ten is operated, that the Big Ten does care about the numbers more. Nathan, when you looked at those numbers, were you surprised at all? Like the 22 per class, did that feel right to you for Ohio State? I mean, you can just do the numbers, right? I mean, you get 85 scholarships, so that's kind of the ballpark you should be in. I, I mean, to, to be a lot higher than that, I think you're right. If you're that high, much higher than that every single year, that tells you maybe you're not being that efficient with your recruiting and something could be off. Now, that's a difficult thing to say. Again, that's where Alabama is its own animal because Alabama, it's obviously working well. But I, I, I didn't, we didn't go through and look at numbers for every single school. But I bet there's some other schools out there where you can look at that number and it might be indicative of something that isn't quite right. So, so there's the transfer part of it, and there's also the guys going to the NFL part of it. And we do lump early departures all together. But really, in the end, it's about the three-year guys. Because if you're a fourth-year guy, but you happen to redshirt a year, so you technically have eligibility, but you've been on campus for four years, that to me is very different than you went pro after three years, right? Because that's, yep. just, that's an extra year of churn. So these are the recent years. By the recruiting class, how many guys left for the NFL after three years, okay? 2013 recruiting class at Ohio State, six guys. Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, Jalen Marshall, Vaughn Bell, Eli Apple, and Darren Lee all left after three years. 2014 recruiting class, five guys left. Raekwon McMillan, Marshawn Lattimore, Curtis Samuel, Noah Brown, and Malik Hooker. 2015 recruiting class, two left. Jerome Baker, Denzel Ward. 2016 recruiting class, three left. Nick Bosa, Dwayne Haskins, Michael Jordan. 2017 recruiting class, three left. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, J.K. Dobbins. 2018 recruiting class, one. Tommy Togiai. So we went from a world where in 13 and 14, 2013 recruiting class, that was number two ranked in the country. And 2014, right behind it, I think they might have been number five. That was 11 guys in those two years. That, that went to the NFL after their third season on campus. In the last two years now, with this 17 and 18 recruiting class, both were number two in the country, we're at four. So, Nathan, we go from 11 in a two-year period to four in a two-year period. That reduces your churn. That reduces your number count in recruiting a little bit because you're maintaining some of those guys into their fourth year – and again, right, it's, well, of course you want your players to be as good as Chase Young so that after three years they can go by the number two pick in the draft. But on the other hand, sometimes it's a good thing to have these talented recruits stick around for year four. Well, yeah, well, what was the everyone crediting for the great success that Alabama had this past year and becoming the juggernaut that they were? It was guys sticking around for a fourth year who might have been able to leave after three years. Now, again, I don't know that – I think it would have been the wrong professional decision for a lot of those guys to leave after three years. But having them back for this fourth year was the nucleus of, of what they went and did to everybody in college football, including Ohio State this past season. And what is the big thing right now that people are saying is the reason why Ohio State might be a playoff team again 
or, or at least the big, a big part of the foundation of why they could be a playoff team again. It's guys deciding to come back for that fourth year, guys who otherwise would have been leaving after exactly three years. Jeremy Ruckert, Chris Olave, guys who could have done what Togia is doing and going after three years. So I, I think you're right. I think sometimes would, we, would Ohio State have been better off um, doing even better in 2018 and having more guys leaving? I think you get, you get into a real semantic argument there. Uh, but I do think, and I think we are going to do this, Nathan. Are we going to do it for the Big Wednesday pod? We're going to really dive in on the 18 class. Yep. Is that do we officially yep. going to do that? It's a balance, right? And I do think part of what happened to Alabama last year fed into Alabama this year because they had a couple things go not exactly, I think, as a as a team, but also for a couple individual guys didn't go exactly 100%, so then they stayed, which made them better the next year. That would be quite a thing as we think about this Ohio State group that they got to the national title game. Bama didn't make the playoff last year, right? So that that if Bama's 2019 fed their 2020, they had to miss the playoff for the first time for that to feed. If Ohio State's 2020 feeds their 2021, they still made the national championship game, right? It's a very kind of interesting dynamic here, but it also feeds into recruiting numbers, Stephen. But I mean, everyone's talking about that Alabama comparison, but you know, it's not like Ohio state had to suffer a down year for this thing that people are making the comparison about to happen. Yeah. It's kind of that combination of with Alabama, had they had, if Alabama had made the national championship game last year, and this is more hypothetical than anything, and lost to LSU, how many of those guys would have come back? Given that circumstance of they, the extra motivation is we people think Alabama is on a downswing, and that's not the case here. We're here to show you that it's not going to downswing. Devontae Smith and, and Najee Harris and Alex Leatherwood, especially, they probably would have been top 100 draft picks even if they weren't first rounders with this Ohio State group. It's a big deal that they're coming back, and yes, we're going to use the Alabama as a comparison, but it's not the same situation with Tyreek Smith and Josh Proctor and Seven Banks. Those guys probably aren't top one. Well, maybe Tyreek Smith because people are in love with him, but a lot of these top guys in that class you know, aren't necessarily top 100 draft picks, so it was they had to come back. Other than Chris Olave and, and Tommy Tokia, everybody else on his team, I don't know if we can guarantee that they would have been a top 100 draft pick like you can with these Alabama guys. And that now that – they're hoping that by coming back another year, they will be a top 100 yeah. draft pick a year from now. And I think, I think guys like Nicholas Petit Frere, for instance, very well could, could, that could be exactly what happens to him. Just, just to get back on Bama real quick before we kind of talk about again, how Ohio State can track down Bama. So the idea, I think we might've said, well, Bama doesn't have the number one class every year. And the last 11 years, according to 247, they've had the number one class nine times. Yeah. <laughs> and the two times they didn't, it was Georgia. So it was 2020, Bama was second, Georgia was first. 2018, Bama was fifth, Georgia was first. And so it's, the, it's, it's hard for a non-SEC school to do this. But Ohio State, again, 2021, second, 2018, second, 2017, second, 2013, second. But there, there continues kind of to have be that, that gap that, there wasn't really like a down year. It's like Ohio state was like a solid second every year. Like it wasn't like they were necessarily like right there um, on the edge of doing it. So I think we have to, again, Bama is Bama. And I think it's fun for Ohio state to try to chase them down. But also I think you have to be somewhat realistic about this, but 
I do want to talk about 2020 and, uh, excuse me, 2022 and the numbers for 2022 and why a year from now or why this December we maybe will be talking about Ohio State finally got over the top or maybe not. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so as we get ready for the final part of National Signing Day on Wednesday, let's just reset what Ohio State fans need to know about Stephen. I want to make sure it's right. JT Tumalau, number three player in the country, he's going at least another month. Is that correct? Um, more than that, he won't sign until April, which is not a surprise to anybody. I th- he Of all the guys who keep saying, I want to take visits before I commit and then end up committing two or three weeks later, he's the one guy who really wants to take visits. And it's because it's down to Alabama and Ohio State. And he's been on Bama's campus and he's never been to Columbus. And if the dead period turns into a quiet period, the way that Pete Thamel has reported, and that happens and he's able to do that, I wouldn't be surprised if his decision maybe came 48 hours after he got a chance to get on Ohio State's campus in April. All right. Give people a two-minute explanation of what you just are talking about for the people who are listening to this and don't exactly know what you mean by dead period and quiet period and what the news is on that. So dead period is what we've been in for the past year. Um, It went longer than normal because of the pandemic. And basically, coaches are not allowed to have in-person contact with, with players. They can't host visits. They can't, you know, go take in-home visits. They can't host these day camps or do any of the stuff that we usually see in the early parts of the, of the summer. And then usually what they'll do with the spring game when they have all these recruits in, that's why there were no recruits at games this year. Um, Which is also why you saw a lot of recruits just kind of adopt their own thing where they just recruits can come to a campus. They just can't talk to the coaches. So if they just happen like what Ray John Davis did, uh, last weekend where he just came onto the campus and walked around and saw everything he needed to see except go inside the woody because he can't do that or what Bennett Christian did in the 2022 class where he came up to Ohio State and walked around the campus or his, on his own or the Buckeye Bass that stuff like that recruits can do they just can't talk to the coaches in person you can't do an official visit you can do an unofficial right. visit yeah which Basically. is like a huge difference big di- yeah unofficial visits you're paying for official visits the the program is paying for which for some of these families they need those official visits to be able to do this so they can can they do an official visit they just can't meet with the coaches or is it a part of the dead period that you can't pay for the visit either they can't uh, unofficial visit they can do it it's a sort of unofficial visit because the whole point of unofficial visit is the fact that it's an official visit that the, the program didn't pay for and it's not really well, I that know. either. It's just can schools pay for visits right now? No, no, they okay. cannot do that. So they all. can't pay for it, and they can't talk to you. Nope. Okay, so that's not a big deal. Okay. Correct. With the quiet period, you can have it's some of the same rules as the dead period, but the coaches can interact with you in person, but it has to be on campus. So that means if uh, if Ray John Davis would have came in April and it's a quiet period now, he can go talk with Al Washington. He can go talk with Ryan Day and Coach Mick. He can go talk to these guys instead of just walking around aimlessly seeing what Columbus is about. That's a big difference there because I'm pretty sure they'll be able to – they can take officials in basically, which is what most of these kids need is somebody else to be able to pay for them to come to this campus. So that's a big deal for a guy like JT Tumalau to be able to do. So you think it, it ups the possibility of JT Tumalau coming to Ohio State if this actually happens, that something would happen that would allow him to come on campus and talk to people? I think the longer he prolongs this with the intention of because I need to get an Ohio State's campus, the better for Ohio State. Okay, that is a good thing. Okay, so 
numbers. And then Rayshon Davis is announcing on Wednesday, Correct. and it's down to USC and Ohio State. Basically, yeah. But he's from L.A., and it feels like the momentum is towards USC. He's from L.A. He goes to Matter Day, which is the same high school as 2022 number one cornerback Damani Jackson. And I'm pretty sure Damani's probably in his ear every day at practice talking about staying home and going to USC. The, the fact – so, I mean, we've talked a lot about the fact that everybody's been raiding California, and it's like USC woke up a little bit here yep. in this recruiting cycle, and it's going to change the game for a lot of people because, again, I mean, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, I mean, people have been raiding the West Coast because USC's been asleep at the wheel. So that is a thing to watch. Um, does Ohio State start spending a little less time on some West Coast guys if it feels like, oh, USC is competent again. That would be a factor for Ohio State. So let's look at the 2022 class and see where we might be talking about this class a year from now. Nathan, when you looked at the numbers of what you thought this 2022 class could be, and I feel like we we always talk about numbers here because I think it's important. I think it's interesting. I I feel like along the way, they're at 21 right now. Maybe they'll get to 22. I feel like we talked about that where maybe I thought some other places thought they might get to 23 or 24, and it kind of was like, well, I don't know how they're going get, to get to that necessarily. Now, if they had more guys go to the NFL, maybe they'd be grabbing more guys. But, again, there's only five top 100 guys out there. So if Jeremy Ruckert had gone pro or Nicholas Petit-Frere or Thayer Munford or Chris Olave had gone pro, they'd have more space, but I'm not exactly sure who would they be, who'd they be grabbing right now either, right? That it's like – that also is not – that's why this calendar has to get fixed at some point. It's like, hey, Chris Olave left. Let's grab a, the number 400 player in the country. That's not how you do it. Like, you, you need to have a better sense of how this stuff lines up. And the fact that you are signing a class before your guys make their NFL declarations just makes no sense. And I guess it, it's better for the high school guys to get locked in and get their decision made, but it really – there's a lot of it that just does not make sense in terms of roster building, that you just lose. You're making a lot of assumptions that maybe are wrong, as it turns out. So bottom line, when you look at next year, 2022 for Ohio State, Nathan, do you think it's going to be on the bigger side or on the smaller side? I think it's going to be on the smaller side. And I, I texted about that a couple weeks ago. And I don't, when I say that, I don't think it means tiny. I just think it means they're going to – I think they're going to be probably a couple spots short of that 22 average that they've been playing with. And here is the reason why. Only 12 scholarship seniors come off the books in 2021 because there's four guys who are technically going to be considered scholarship seniors this year who are the guys who are the holdovers who don't count against the 85. So Ohio State's going to be playing over the 85 limit all season this year. So – those 16, I'm only four of them count. So that's only 12 scholarships coming off the books. And then you're probably going to factor in some attrition, right? You're going to factor in some transfers. You're going to factor in some early departure guys. But when I looked at the list of early departure guys, there weren't, I mean, Garrett Wilson, Zach Harrison. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was NPF. like an obvious one. Yeah. NPF. Yeah. But those that, are the it, three that I had that jumped yeah. out. Yeah. And then may then you talk yourself into like, well, if Harry Miller really came back and had an awesome season, maybe somebody like that, we'd be talking about him kind of the way we were talking about MPF almost going into last season. So so maybe it gets up to four guys. I don't know. But but then you're also still looking at a period coming up where they're trying to still sign guys for this class that's coming in. You're talking about there are positions where they wouldn't mind a transfer 
coming in. So I think some of those numbers wash out a little bit. So it makes me think that it could be on the smaller side. And kind of the, the example that I put out, and not to jump ahead too much, but was could this be a kind of supercharged version of the 2019 class, where it's a little bit on the smaller side, but, but with a higher like star average, so that you don't really you don't really consider it a dip in any way. It's just that they took less people that year. So really, that is quite a thing. If you talk about 12 seniors, three or four NFL guys, that's 15 or 16, and then attrition, right? Now, we know it happens, but they don't usually have eight guys transfer. Steven, that, that would lead us to believe that, that potentially there's going to be quite a race for this class. If they maybe, if they maybe aren't going to get to more than 20, which I think as we stand now, if you have 12 seniors, three NFL guys, that's 15. So you have to find five other spots somewhere else to get to 20. And they already have 10. They are really going to be like, there's going to be a fight for these spots, Stephen, which would lead you to believe there'd be some high level dudes coming in here, but also some, some potentially tough choices for Ohio State. I think that's an option, but I also think that transition year recruiting class is something to keep an eye on with some of those guys where they'll be in year three and they'll have an idea of whether or not they're going to be able to carve out a role for themselves or not. Because, I've, I mean, there's only four top 100 guys in that class, and all four of those guys have roles. Garrett Wilson, Zach Harrison, Harry Miller, and Jamison Williams. And then outside of that, no one else – Ronnie Hickman flashed this year, and we know Kate Stover is going to be a tight end. But after that, I'm, I, there's not anybody on that list who's really carved out a role for themselves. And so I think there is like, – this is kind of a – going. In, they're going to be – a lot of those guys are going to be fourth-year guys by the time that 2022 class gets here. So I wouldn't be surprised if that transition year where it was already low on high-quality talent and low as far as the numbers were concerned, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of attrition coming from that class to kind of offset that as well. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'll be very curious how they handle it. You make a very good point. They had that 2019 class, first of all, was smaller, only 17 guys, but eight of those 17 guys were ranked 300 or lower in the country, which for Ohio state is just so unusual. We know why it happened. We know they got a lot of Ohio guys, especially on the offensive line. They got a lot of lower rated guys, but that is a very good point, Stephen. that like, Nathan, this is where, I mean, this is where like, whatever the cliche meets the road. This is like business time that I don't love this part of it. I, I, I don't that if, listen, if, if you're invited to come be a Buckeye and it's like, they wanted you here and it's like, then it's like, Hey, we can get somebody better than you, but you've worked hard and you've done everything right. It makes me nervous. I, I understand how it works. Um, and you can't just boot the guy out, but like you can sort of really encourage somebody to go. I think again, Ohio state has been good about this. I, I do not think Ohio State traffics in the world of just running guys off. I really – I don't want to put the cart before the horse and say, like, oh, they're going to have to do that. But Stephen makes an interesting point, Nathan, that that was a transitional class. They wound up with a bunch of guys who would probably in a normal year would not, would not get scholarships to Ohio State. So then what do you do? Nathan like what do you do but then that's why I see that's what I think is interesting because those guys that you're talking about 
are almost the ones who are least likely to transfer because if if you told them, hey, you're you're this you're ranked at this spot, you know that it's a big deal to even be getting a shot at Ohio State. You're going to be a four or five year developmental guy. I don't know if those are the guys that necessarily bolt. Really, I think sometimes those are the guys who stick around for five years and maybe they just have like a reserve role and a special teams role for a long time. I think it's more likely it's that 2018 class where you've got guys who were like top 50, top 100 guys who still haven't done anything. Those are the ones who almost leave because I think they come here with a higher expectations to make an, not only some starting impact, like an immediate starting impact, if it hasn't happened after three or four years, those are the guys who are going to leave before the end of their eligibility. To me, that, that's my assumption. It's, it's going to be a little bit – this is going to be a little bit of a complicated 12 months in roster management because you have a couple of these extra guys that don't count. They're fine, but, like, they're going to be playing at 89 because they have the four extra guys who don't count. So they really are – there's going to be a squeeze unless there's a lot of transition. It really – it's – it's there's some, a couple things coming together here, sort of more guys coming back than you expected. This 2019 class was the transition class sort of coming into that third year when it's kind of money time to see what happens with these guys. Plus the pandemic kind of made it a little bit weird. So Steven, I mean, it is, this is going to be, this will have some effect, right? Does this mean, will guys go earlier? Are they going to have to not push guys to make decisions, but just be like, listen, guys, I mean, if you're, you know, we like three guys at this position, but we don't have room for that many of you. If the first guy, we know that happens all the time. The first guy goes, it's your spot. Is that going to be amplified with this class? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised. I think they're they're kind of moving quickly here with some guys, and I think they're being helped a little bit by the fact that some of these recruits are coming off the board on their own, like Amani Winfield and Damani Jackson, kind of allowing them to make decisions for themselves. I won't be surprised if, if we get to June and this class is at 17. I mean, just given how the last two cycles have worked, but uh, you know, I, which is probably going to help them as far as, you know, with some of this attrition, some of these guys who are on the roster already can kind of see how things are, you know, playing out in the recruiting and see, okay, how do I fit into some of this? Cause I mean, you took two running backs in that 2019 class, but you also took two running backs in 2021. So, okay, where are you taking a bulk of guys somewhere else in the, 2022 class that maybe you took a bunch in the 2020 class as well so I do think that the way Ohio State's positions itself is we dominate the spring and get all these get as many of these guys locked in as possible before some of these SEC trains start revving up and then we can get we can kind of get picky with who we want left in the class the thing I think in in the end that we we need to acknowledge here is that um how do I say this so Ohio State it's hard to be Bama. It's hard to be Bama in recruiting. But I've been around this for a long time now. I'm not a recruiting expert. I don't pretend to be. You guys have now both both have some several years on the beat here. Nathan, just like what is your overall takeaway of sort of how Ohio State goes about it, led by Mark Pantone, sort of the strategy of all this? It's, it's one of those things to me. It's like I, 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 I don't think about it that much. But like – we end up having a discussion on here that Pantone's four steps ahead of us, right? Whatever we're saying is what Pantone is like, well, yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? Like he, they know exactly what they want to do. And so in the end, there are a lot of things that, that work for Ohio state, but in recruiting, there are some things that work against Ohio state when they're going against a school like Bama or Georgia or whatever. And the way that Ohio state competes on this level is with, absolute strategic precision to everything they do in their recruiting operation. And they know exactly how they're going to manage the numbers. 
They know exactly the kids it's going to come down to at certain positions. They know exactly who they think may stay and may leave and how that's going to affect them. And that's why they're even in this discussion, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine arguing that Ohio State isn't doing this the right way, really. Um, you can go back to 2017, the year they finished second. They had a higher average star rating than the team that finished first. Same thing in 2018. 2021, you're talking about this big gap that they have with Alabama, where even if they got these other great recruits, they still wouldn't close that gap. They are, like, fractions of a point right now behind Alabama in average star rating, and I think would probably pull ahead of them if they started landing those guys. That's that's the score that matters. It's It's, you know – like I play fantasy football every year, but I kind of hate it because it's glorified bingo. And it's, it's sort of the same thing. Like you could put together an awesome lineup one week. And if you happen to put together the team that for whatever reason, a guy just goes insane and has the stupid career week and has a couple of those guys and just scores an amazing amount of points like you can have the second highest score and you still lose that week. And now imagine if you're playing fantasy football against somebody like that and they get to play nine guys instead of eight, or they get to play 12 guys instead of your 10 for no reason other than that just happens to be their week to play 12 guys, then then now that's the score you're judged by. That's really what that recruiting – I'm not trying to go on – I'm not trying to scuttle this whole conversation because I think it is fun and I think it is interesting to, to look at it over a longer period of time. But that's why I think Ohio State does not get caught up too much in that score, and they shouldn't. Like, there's no reason to. It doesn't benefit you anything. But I think they do care a lot about that other score. I think they care a lot about that average star rating. And I think Ohio State fans and Ohio State as a program should almost say – you know what, we'll never be number one. But you know what, we're still going to be in the playoffs every year because we still do this thing better than even the people who are getting extra guys. I think what's been interesting to watch is Ryan Day's kind of planned mix, obviously with Mark, Mark Mantoni, them working together to you know come together with a strategy of how they want to attack things in the Ryan Day era. And it's very clear at this point. They want the highly rated Ohio guy, and they want a quarterback. You, you get those two guys, and then you have those guys do a lot of this work for you. And in 2020, it wasn't as big of a deal, but you had Paris Johnson, and then you went and got C.J. Stroud late. But you also had Jack Miller already locked in. 2021, you really saw it. You got Jack Sawyer. Literally the moment he was able to actually commit to that offer, he committed. And then three months later, Kyle McCord came in. So now you had an offensive leader, and you had a defensive leader, and you built. And you're kind of seeing the same thing now. C.J. Hicks wasn't the first guy to commit, but he was the first leader to commit. That's your top Ohio guy. Now he's now you went and got Quinn Ewers. When CJ Hicks committed, you started getting all these other guys. When Quinn Ewers committed, that's when you start seeing all these national guys start heading with a momentum towards Ohio State. Now we'll see what Brennan Vernon's probably going to be that guy in 2023 who's the highly rated Ohio guy. We'll see who ends up being the maybe the quarterback if for the by the way Orion Day wants to go about things whoever the quarterback is in that class but I, that just seems like the formula get the highly rated Ohio guy and this high rate a highly rated quarterback and have those guys build I want to sneak in a quick point we never and this is a different podcast topic but I think it's worth mentioning here real quick we when we talked about the Quinn Ewers um, decision and whether Ohio State should even be going after another quarterback in that class at no point in that conversation did we talk about how small this class was going to be I think that's an interesting kind of wrinkle to add to that discussion for a different podcast. Yeah, no, well, it's, we're going to have a good time digging in on this, this 2022 class. Um, I mean, the 2021 class, like in wrapping this, this class up, I mean, it was fun. You know, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, Trayvon Henderson and Kyle McCord and that Emeka Buka, you know, joined it late and all this stuff. But this was a really interesting class to monitor. And again, you look at this 2022 class already, the 10 guys in, they have the number one quarterback in the country. They have the number one receiver in the country. They have the number two, three, 
two and three outside linebackers. They have the number five corner. And then Desan McCullough, who's going to play linebacker here, he's the number six athlete. So they have six guys in the top 54 already. I mean, they have the number one receiver and the number one quarterback and two of the three best outside linebackers. So, I mean, it's like, it's like, oh, could they be number one? It's like, well, what do you, what do you want them to do? <laughs> if they have the number one player at every position, could they have the number one class? I guess so. So that's what we will monitor. But it may come down to, again, sort of I think what we're saying here is, in the end, it's fun to have the number one class. The size aspect of it may prevent Ohio State from ever getting there. But this 2022 class in overall average, like the average star rating and the premium on like the guys who are in it might be through the roof. It just might come in at like 18 or 19 or 20. It's not going to come in at 26 or 27. And Alabama might, which means they might win the overall point total. But this which 2022 would, class might be nuts. Which would make the average star rating crazy. Oh, yeah. Because it's less spread out. That, I mean, they might have – right now the average star rating is 96. It's not going to stay there. Or it might. If you've got 17 guys, but Nine, – 96 is insane, by the way. It Just is. To give people, to give people, nobody's had one higher than 95 in the last seven years. Yeah. Or the number one – I should say the number one team has never had one. Number one in that other score has never had one higher than 94.87, and that was or, – yeah, 94.87, that was Alabama last year. Yeah, and that was – and back when I was – when we were talking about the 2021 class being the highest rated in history, that was my whole case is their best bet is the average star rating and having that be higher than anybody else's. If Ohio State have 17 guys in 2022 and let's just say 14 of them are top 100 guys and maybe eight five stars, I mean, that's a ridiculously high average star rating. Who cares if they have the most points? That class is insane. That class is insane, and we will be monitoring that insane class, which already has 10 guys in it. All right, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU to keep up to date on recruiting coverage. We've got Steven leading the way, but we have a bunch of other people, uh, freelancers, doing some great work. Um, let's shout them out real quick since we're doing some recruiting discussions. Kayla Harvey, she's one of them, right, mm -hmm. Steven? Yeah. Uh, what are the other names of people who are doing that work to help you out? Robert Fimbers and Kyle Kelly, those are the three people leading the way. They're each coming with a roundup every day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can check for those roundups from them. They're, I mean, they're the assistant. If this, if this, if we were a college football program, they would be my assistant coaches, and they've all got positions and regions that they need to hit, and they talk to these kids on a daily basis. Uh, they've had some good stuff so far. Yeah, we've got a good little team going, and we're getting a lot of good information. And we 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 send that stuff out on texts yep. sometimes ahead of time, and then they'll show up in the roundup. So again, we we have four people who are keeping in regular, constant contact with recruits who are considering Ohio State. So, like, that's – we didn't used to do that. You know, like, we've always said somebody who keeps tabs on it, but that's it's, it's, that's how in, interested we are in sort of keeping a constant flow of what's up with these guys. So, 614-350-3315, it's a way to keep up with that. Um, big recruiting dive on this 2018 class. I'm really looking forward to it. Nathan has written about it. I'm, I'm curious to see how we sort of discuss it. Again, only the one early NFL departure at this point. A bunch of guys that transferred, a bunch of guys who have been good but maybe not broken through. It is a really interesting class to dive into, and that's what we will dive into on the Big Wednesday pod. For now, thanks for listening to this Tuesday pod. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.